Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro, and yes, the 2021 NFL Draft is upon us. We've got you covered on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, as well as our social channels and our app throughout the weekend, starting at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. Make sure you're with us. We are ready to go. The Eagles with 11 selections, and we're going to dig into it here in just a moment with head coach Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman, their last word before the draft begins. Later in the show, we're also going to talk to three members of the media covering this team and get their ideas on what the Eagles should do and what they think the Eagles will do. And then we're going to check in with Harold Carmichael. 50 years ago, he was a seventh-round selection by the Eagles. And now, in a kind of a full-circle kind of way, he looks back at that and looks ahead to his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in August. So really exciting times for Harold Carmichael, exciting times for the Philadelphia Eagles. And without any further ado, let's get right to it. Our final word from Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni, an exclusive on this Eagles Insider Podcast. The 2021 NFL Draft is upon us. Hello, everyone. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Joined by Eagles General Manager Howie Roseman and Head Coach Nick Sirianni. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for taking the time. Let's get right to it. First, to start off, excited about this weekend, excited about the opportunity here to add Eagles. Um, When we talk about the free agents, we start with those guys. And when you start with what kind of people these guys are, and we always talk about free agency in which you got to figure out, like, how the marriage is going to work because you haven't lived with them before. And that's some of the risk of free agency. But when you talk about a guy like Eric Wilson, who was with Jonathan Gadden, who was with Nick Rallis, now you know. And so you're so excited to get a guy like that who understands the system, who understands like what these coaches are looking for. And then Anthony Harris, this is a guy, he can get us the ball back. I mean, we got an offensive head coach right here. He wants a ball back, right? So you get a guy like Anthony Harris, who's got elite character, has unbelievable ball skills, fits the defense. We've seen him in the role that he's going to play because, again, we've had coaches who have been with him. So we start with those guys on defense. Then uh, we go to the offensive side, and we talk about Joe Flacco. You know, here is a Super Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl winner, who's got unbelievable character, who lives and breathes Philadelphia. And he can't wait to be part of this football team. And then Jordan, you know, another guy that we've had. And, and all these guys that you're talking about, they, they all got a chip on their shoulder, Dave. You know, maybe last year didn't go as, as well. And, and we like those guys got something to prove because all of us, we got something to prove. Nick, for you, um, retaining veteran leadership, Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey, and kind of keeping that group together, how important has that been for you? Keeping those guys in the building, Brandon, Jason, like you just mentioned, that's so important, right, to have those guys here. They've won a lot of football games here. And why is that, right? One, they're great players. And then just what they embody too, right? It's very typical for a good player to have, you know, be very competitive, to love football. I see that in both of them. And then have high football acute. I mean, that's common in every good player that I've been around, those four things. And it's no surprise how many football games they've won as Eagles. Nick, we're in the offseason here. It's virtual, of course. What has it been like for you teaching the X's and the O's, getting everybody up to speed on the schemes? All of us that have coached in the NFL have had experience, you know, teaching virtually, right? We all have. And so I've always taken a lot of pride in 
presenting the information in, in ways that our players can learn it and creativity and how and teaching. Like I was an education major. My parents were education majors. My brothers were education majors. So I've always had this pride in like how we're going to present this information to the individuals on our team to get them to learn it. Howie, uh, round one, everybody focuses on it. You're sitting there at number 12. You've always been somebody who's willing to make deals. How open are you to going up or moving back? Yeah, I think the reason that we made the first trade from going six to 12 was because we felt like it created a unique opportunity to do that. And we had to be really confident about the 12 players that were on the board. But I think that it also gives us the flexibility to have opportunities to move up a little bit, to have opportunities if we wanted to get more flexibility to move back. And I think it's all going to be dictated by what goes on in front of us. And so if we see a guy that's in front of us that has value more than the draft slot, well, let's talk about going up and getting him. If we go there and we say, hey, there's a bunch of players that we really like and we can pick up more opportunities and more flexibility, then let's move back and let's do that. You know, And, and those are the conversations that we have. Howie, the NFL draft, as we know, is an inexact science. And, and I wonder, without uh, some of these players playing in 2020 in college level and without the scouting combine, does that make it more inexact? Well, it's funny. Like, it's almost the exact opposite than last year, right? Like, last year, you go to the combine, you interview all, of you, all these guys, and then the world stops. And so you don't have pro days. You don't have as much of the rechecks and going on with the medical information. And this year, no combine, all pro days, and a little bit less medical information. And I, I think that we're dealing with the same thing 31 other teams are dealing with. And so I don't know that any of us are sitting there going, man, I wish we had the combine. I think we're just so excited to get Eagles on this team. And we're so excited with the process that's led us up to it that you know we're gonna be we're gonna be really really fired up um, for a three day period here. Um, I can't wait. Nick, your first time as a head coach going through the pre draft process. What's it been like? It really shows you when you get to sit in at all the meetings, right? Because when you're a position coach or when you're a coordinator, you go in for your expertise, right? As an offensive coordinator, I went into the offensive meetings. As a quarterback coach, I went into the quarterback meetings. Well, now I get to sit in for all of them. What I see as the head coach of the collaboration, I think that's awesome, right? The collaboration of all the hard work that the scouts did, that the trainers did. And to think that you could do it by yourself, it's just impossible. Like there's just, it's just the collaboration's awesome. It's the definition of being on a team. Hey, Howie, you mentioned 11 players. And look, I, we, know, we know the fans are always focused on that first round pick. And we know that it's not just about one player or one position. So fans don't get fixated on that. But there are 10 other selections. So Howie, I wonder, what would constitute a winning weekend for the Philadelphia Eagles? It's funny because that first day, you're only taking one, right? Then the next day, now we got, we got three picks. Saturday's the most fun day because you're adding the most Eagle players to your team. So, like, I, I love Saturday. And we have this meeting on Saturday morning where we have all the scouts in the room and Coach will be there and Jeffrey will be there. And we basically say, all right, now it's the third day. Like, who are you standing on the table for? And so, like, that day is really where all the work comes to fruition. And, and everyone understands how important – that Thursday is because it sets the table for the week, right? It's like it's like the appetizer. Um, but the main meal is really going to be on, on Saturday. And when you look at, like, our world championship team, there are a lot of players from Saturday going into that. And this is the ultimate team sport, and you need depth in this league. So there is much of a process in those picks 
as there is going to be in the first and second round. Now, we may spend a lot more time talking about the first rounder. We may spend a lot more time talking about the second rounder. But we have spent as much time going through those guys, and the process for those guys is the same as the guy that we picked in the first round. Both of you are very excited. That's obvious, and I feel the excitement. I know the fans do as well. So I'll throw this out to both of you. Last question. Uh, what does, if you can kind of just qualify, what gets you excited about this weekend, and what makes it so special, the NFL draft? Honestly, Dave, the best part about the draft weekend is when we make a pick and you go around the room and you see the pure freaking joy that the people who have been part of this process the whole year get. And then the position coach, you see them and the coordinator and how excited they get. I kind of fast forward a little bit and I just think about the guys that were drafted, the Eagles that we keep talking about and the the qualities that these guys are going to have that we're drafting this weekend. And I like get excited about you know, whoever we pick on, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, like I, I get excited about like seeing people at Lincoln Financial wearing their jerseys because those guys are going to be the face of the franchise moving forward. And so that's what really excites me. And really, I really think about that, that time where I'm going to see all the fans wearing their jerseys. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me here and best of luck this weekend. Go Birds. Looking for a unique experience for the young Eagles fan in your life? Eagles virtual youth football and cheerleading clinics are now being offered on April 25th and May 16th. Register today at philadelphiaeagles.com slash clinics. All right, let's go to some of the members of the media who cover the Philadelphia Eagles and have dialed in on, well, what the Eagles could be doing this weekend. We begin with the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese. The Eagles, they've got a great opportunity in front of them. What would Merrill, a Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Famer, like to see the Eagles do? Let's check in with Merrill. Merrill, here we are, uh, 2021 NFL Draft. 11 drafted for the Eagles. Everybody, of course, focuses on the first one. Your thoughts on the Eagles at number 12 and the opportunity they have there? Well, I think um, I, I buy the fact that there'll be four, uh, possibly four names, and one will go to the Eagles. Uh, the two corners would be Patrick Sertain and, uh, uh, of course, Horn, J.C. Uh, Horn of, uh, of South Carolina, and the two wide receivers who could be there. One of the two will be there, either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell. One of those four players uh, should end up being an Eagle uh, tomorrow if they stay at 12. So in your mind, it is? Cornerback or wide receiver? I, I that that's kind yes. of the way you're thinking. It is. Hmm. It is. I mean, there there are some other options um, that could come up. I mean, we never know. I mean, let's just say, for example, that uh, somebody like Penny Sewell, the uh, the tackle from Oregon, slides by. I mean, let's say he slides by to eight, and the Eagles decide to trade up to eight with Carolina and and go for the offensive tackle. That's a possibility. Uh, there are a couple of linebackers who uh, are considered high picks, who are, can be impact players. Um, that could certainly happen. So uh, you, you never know. You never know. But what it does sound like to me, Merrill, is that if it is one of the four players that you're talking about, they would have an opportunity to play and make an impact right away. Absolutely. Uh, you, you, want, you want that first-round draft pick to make an impact. You really do, and and this team has uh, has needs. They they need an impact player, 
I mean, I, I, I agree with our friend Bill Rendell that the Eagles really have to try to get three starters out of this draft and maybe another couple of players. I mean, they have 11 picks, another two who can make an impact this year. This is a year where the Eagles have to make an impact. You're not talking about a returning Super Bowl team where it's going to be tough for somebody to make the, the starting 22. This is a team with needs. This is a team that needs playmakers. Uh, they need a, a, a guy who can be a potential all-pro corner, or they need a wide receiver who puts fear into the, the preparation of an offensive coordinator, but they need that this year. Merrill, last one for you. If, is it possible to put in context at all, context at all uh, the importance of this draft? Is it more important than other drafts you can remember, or do we kind of say that every year that this is the most important draft in Eagles history? No, I, uh, Dave, I, I think you can say this is a very, I don't know about the most important draft in Eagles history. Uh, there, there's a lot of history to go back over and a lot of, a lot of years that the Eagles absolutely needed people to come in and to, uh, to replace other people to upgrade that roster. But this is a very important draft because you're talking about a team that was 411 and one. Uh, that means they need help and they have a new coaching staff. And that to, to get that staff off on the right foot, they need players. They need improvements. And uh, so I would say, I don't like to say in history, but I do believe this is one of the more important drafts in recent memory. Sirius XM NFL Radio's Adam Kaplan is absolutely in tune with what's going on around the league. And he has some very definitive thoughts on the Eagles at number 12 overall. All right, Adam, uh, we've talked throughout the offseason here. We're finally here. The draft is here. Thank goodness. 12th pick in the NFL draft. What do you expect the Eagles to do? And what should the Philadelphia Eagles do? Well, David, it depends on who's going to be there. Last year, um, I put out before the draft, that was probably going to be Jalen Rager. They were going to draft speed. They did. Um, I felt pretty strongly about that. This year is a little bit harder. Speed isn't really the issue anymore for the Eagles at wide receivers. Just taking the best available player. And... This one's going to be a little bit harder. Depends who's there. Um, I do think it'll come down to if one of the top cornerbacks are there. We're talking about um, J.C. Horn of South Carolina, and we're also talking about Patrick Sertain II of Alabama. I think it'll come down to one of those two guys if they're there. Also, one of the Alabama receivers, although Jalen Waddle's a much better fit um, for what they need and what he can do. He's just a better football player than Devontae Smith. Waddle could line up at the X or Z positions. I don't think Smith will do that at the next level. Um, so I think it would come down to them, if they, again, if they stay there at 12. So it's one of those four. How likely is it in your mind that one of those two cornerbacks will be there at 12? I would say this. One of the two will definitely be gone. The question is, will one fall to, to 12, if the, again, if the Eagles stay there? Um, not very likely because, you know, Carolina needs a corner. Uh, they're not very good there. That's a team that you have to look at. Dallas, we know their number one need is a corner. So I think Carolina's a team to watch at eight uh, in terms of the Eagles getting the corner. Uh, wide receiver, you once we get past the Dolphins at six, that that's when the receivers could st- start to be available. I, I don't think you know Denver definitely doesn't need a receiver. They're probably the deepest of the wide receiver position. We know Dallas doesn't. You know, the Giants, people talk about it. I, they don't need a receiver, but if you're looking for an upgrade, I could certainly see something like that. But I would think there would be a better chance that one of the receivers could drop there than the corners. Is there a chance that all four are gone? And if that's the case, what do the Eagles do? Yes, I do. 
Uh, I think it's realistic. And then if they stay there, uh, taking an offensive lineman like Rashawn Slater from Northwestern who could play right tackle or guard at the NFL level, I think that would be a great pick. He's a plug-and-play, week one type of guy. Uh, if you want him to, certainly could be an eventual replacement for Brandon Brooks in future years if the Eagles decide to move on from him. So I think that would be a great pick there at 12. Um, he's also kind of 50-50 whether he would be there. Uh, again, very good football player. Um, I would say that Quiddy Pay, the Michigan DN, I think he's going to go somewhere between 12 and 16. I think he would also be in play, if, again, if all the other players we've mentioned are off the board. All right, last question, Adam. We talked about the value of the Eagles of the Eagles deal to go from six to twelve. As you look at the board potentially lining up here, do you still feel that there's not a significant drop off from the quality of players six to twelve in terms of just overall talent? Uh, I would say that the the like pay and I would say probably Payne and Slater at the bottom of my board right there. They're all starter, starters day one. They're all with similar grades. Though I think Waddle, that would be incredible. If he dropped to 12, now remember, Waddle had his ankle dislocation surgery. Uh, remember, he fractured and dislocated his ankle. So he's come back from that surgery. That would be the only way that he would be there at 12 as if some teams are worried about it, where they, they had a, he had to play early on and they were concerned about it. It shouldn't happen, but you never know. Dave, as you know, with the draft, strange things happen. Uh, but I think overall, any of those players would still have the kind of grade, I think, that would fit in very well with the Eagles. And finally, from Philadelphia newspapers, our old buddy Les Bowen, who covers the Eagles and has done so for many years, talking about the opportunity the Eagles have in round number one. Les, uh, Eagles sit at 12. Uh, your thoughts on their draft positioning and, and what you think they should do and what you think they will do at number 12. Well, as you as you know, it's hard to say. Um, it is a great position, I, even though they traded back from six, which is a, an incredibly good position. At twelve, they're in a spot they've only been in three times since two thousand. You know, and, and not been that high three times since two thousand. Uh, and this is a good draft at the top. Uh, certainly, at twelve, there are tremendous possibilities. I can't see them not getting a player that, you know, would be considered a long-time starter and, uh, you know, potential Pro Bowl guy for multiple years. But as far as what I think they will do and, and what I would like to see them do, I'm like a lot of fans. I, I know how much Howie likes to build along the lines, but I don't think you can force stuff like that. And I really think this is an incredible year for receivers and a very good year for corners. And I really think those are the two areas I would look at first before I would think about an offensive lineman or an edge rusher. And there's always Micah Parsons, the linebacker looming in the background. We've kind of gotten used to the idea that there's no way the Eagles will ever draft a linebacker in the first round, yada, yada, yada. But we don't know with this new regime that that's necessarily as true. And Micah Parsons is kind of a, an outlier prospect. I mean, I don't know that they often have a chance to draft a linebacker like that. Um, but I'm looking, I'm expecting something like Patrick Sertain or JC Horn at corner or Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle at wide receiver. And I'll be real surprised if, 
you know, if, if there's those four guys, uh, somehow if, if two or three of them are available and, and they don't get one of them, uh, I just, I, I don't see the draft breaking that way. It's interesting. I, I wonder in your, you know, you talk to fans, do you think fans are set on a position or a position or two in this draft or would fans go, Hey, that's okay. Let's just trust the board and the Eagles need help all along the, all along the roster. Yeah, they kind of do need help all along the roster. And you can certainly make a case for, you know, almost any position here. Uh, but I, I think a lot of fans, the, the wide receiver follies over the past several drafts have really been exasperating. And even if you shouldn't need to be drafting a wide receiver at this point after spending high draft picks on them in each of the last two drafts, uh, I think a lot of fans think that's still a crying need and an exceptional need. And if they can get a real difference maker there, I think that's the thing that would get most fans excited. But I also think corner would get fans excited. They're very aware that the Eagles haven't had really elite starting corners since Asante Samuel uh, paired with Sheldon Brown in like 2009. Uh, they'd really love to with even Darius Slay, their best corner, is 30. And I think that fans would love to see a corner come in here who has Pro Bowl uh, potential. The Eagles haven't spent their first-round pick on a corner since Lido Shepard in 2002. And I think that would be well-received. And obviously Parsons would be tremendously well-received, being a Penn State player and a linebacker, which is something fans are always clamoring for. Les, that is a beautiful thing. You've done a great job, and uh, I appreciate that very much. All right, we wrap this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group up with a visit with Harold Carmichael, the Hall of Famer. 50 years ago, he was a seventh-round selection, number 161 overall, and part of a draft class that ultimately sent players like Jack Ham and Dan Deardorff and Jack Youngblood and John Riggins and now Harold Carmichael to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, a couple of weeks ago, he had a chance to open up that package that came in the mail. It was his gold jacket, his Hall of Fame jacket. So there's so many great things happening with Harold Carmichael now, as we hear in our conversation. Is this the Hall of Famer, Harold Carmichael? Uh, yes, it is. How are you, Dave? Hi, Harold. Hey, um, I'm doing great, thanks. Look, I, I saw the video of you opening up your jacket. Uh, the Hall of Fame jacket. I, I mean, please describe that for me because you looked so incredibly happy. <laughs> oh, how I, I was, you know, uh, along with my family. We had just left my uh, granddaughter's uh, soccer game and uh, we came back to the house and I said, well, it's a great time for, you know, for us to all see this right now. So uh, it, it was very exciting opening up the box. At, you know, uh, I know I fumbled around with it, but I was so nervous. I was shaking because it was an exciting time for me. I, I knew I was going to get the jacket. They called us and let us, well, they text us and let us know uh, that we we're going to receive the jacket. But uh, uh, it took a while for me to get mine. It was a little later than everybody else's. But, um, I mean, again, patience. You know, I, I have the patience. And uh, opened up the box. It was very exciting to uh to get that, uh, to look at it, touch it, you know, uh, for the first time, and, and then put it on. I mean, it was very comfortable. Hager uh, did a great job. I always wondered, uh, worried about 
having the right size uh, length for my arms, you know, being that they are so long. That's the first thing I checked out, and it was perfect. <laughs> and and you had to wait again. I mean, like, this is the longest wait in Hall of Fame history. Every single step along the way, you've had to wait. Um <laughs> Are you are you finding that you've got more patience than you knew you had? Oh well, yeah. I uh, it's nothing I can do about it. You know, uh, I'm trying. Uh, I try my best not to be too anxious about anything, and uh, um, knowing that it took thirty some years, I oh, oh, thirty five years to get this, and then to wait another year, and then uh, wait a couple of days to get it, uh, then you know send it back, and I got to wait another few months to put it on for good. So, you know, I, I've, I've learned to have the patience and uh, I'm excited about uh, induction day. Um, and, um, you know, I, the patience, you know, it, I, I, I'm having more patience than I thought I would, you know, to answer your question. Um, but, uh, you know, there's nothing else that I could do. But, uh, you know, along with this patience, uh, there's very, very much deep down excitement can't wait for the induction day. Harold, <laughs> let, let's talk about the NFL draft. Um, you were drafted in 1971, seventh round pick, Southern University. It's a totally different world now. Uh, what memories do you have? I think it's kind of a neat circle. You're going into the Hall of Fame here. We've got the draft coming up. It's kind of the start of the celebration. I'm going to liken it to, you know, 2017 and when, when Doc went into the Hall of Fame and the Eagles win the Super Bowl that weekend. So I'm hoping that that all of this is really good mojo for the Philadelphia Eagles. What, what was draft? What was draft weekend like for you back then? Well, well, the draft uh, weekend uh, back in 1971. It was nothing like it is now. I had no clue when things were going to happen with today's um, social media. You know about who's going to get drafted, who's you know the big time player, and all of that. Um, what it, you know, the excitement was the uh, head coach. My head coach, um, Al Tabor, gave me a, a console TV to put in my room for draft uh, weekend. Uh, this console TV was about six foot long, you know, and um, I, I, everybody would come to my came into my room. You know, the guys that got was going to get drafted, and you know, guys, you know, people that just wanted to see it. So we had a room full of people for a while on the face. Um, part of the, uh, the number one draft choice. But, um, you know, we sat there and watched it. Uh, you know, my agent at the time and people were talking at the time that I was actually going around between the first and second round, first and third round. And uh, so we sat there, you know, you know, wait all day, you know, with no name with the first, second. And they pretty much were doing the whole um, draft in one day. So um, the sixth round came, and after the sixth round was, you know, uh, they stopped televising it. Here, I'm thinking that you know, they're going to go into the next day to finish it up, but they were still drafting uh, in the seventh round that uh, that late that evening. And I, I had, you know, I left off school like, guess I'm not going to get drafted. So uh, I went out and uh, walked around campus, and then I came back. Somebody did somebody. Uh, uh, back then, we had the phones, um, the telephones on the wall, the pay phones. So um, uh, one of the guys that was in the uh, that lived in the dormitory with this uh, saw me come and said, "You got to call um, 
from your agent and all. And that's, you know, they've been kidding all day long, you know, teasing guys, like guys that really didn't even play. Um, they'll have the phone off the hook and let it hang and say, you got a call, you, you got drafted. And the guy get to the phone, there's nobody on the phone. But, you know, they were playing jokes like that. So I told the guy, that, man, I, I don't feel like playing no joke. He said, Carl, I'm serious. Um, your, your agent called and he called his name. And I said, oh, this must be true because nobody knew my agent's name. You know, so <laughs> I called him back and um, my agent uh, at the time uh, called me. Oh, well, he answered and said, yes, you got dropped uh, by the Eagles in the seventh round. And uh, they're going to call you tomorrow. And uh, when they call you, you tell them that this, that. I said, well, wait a minute. I thought you was my agent. You were supposed to do that. Well, Harold, I got some number one draft choices that I have to take care of. I have a number one. I got a number two. I have a, oh, uh, no, three, no. You know, and I said, oh, okay. So um, uh, they even called me and uh, told me that I was drafted and stuff around and all that, that they're going to send me uh, my contract through the mail. And um, I'll be getting it in, in about a, um, three or four days or whatever. And um, so they sent it, I signed it, and sent it back, you know. And I think uh, the postage was more than what the contract was worth, you know, <laughs> doing that. But uh, yeah, what uh, what did you what was your signing bonus for for a, a nineteen seventy one seventh round draft pick? If you don't mind me asking, uh, it was no, it was it was five thousand dollars. Okay, and, well that um, might. Uh, a house and a car back then? Oh, no, no, it couldn't be. You know, you can, uh, I put a down payment on, on a car, you know, and you know, the insurance and all that stuff. It didn't leave too much more left, you know, they, because you have to pay, uh, well, you had to pay for gas and all, but you know, gas wasn't that expensive either back then. But um, I made it, you know, I made it through up into the training camp and then they got uh, per diem, you know, so it helped out that year. For, for a little bit and until I got into training camp and all, you know, and my contract, the whole contract was 13,000 that year. Well, t- times certainly have changed, but guess what? As we celebrate the NFL draft, we celebrate you going into the pro football hall of fame. Thank goodness. Those mu- we're, we're winding down the months until, until August. And we can't be more excited, Harold, for you and for your family. And you've been so patient and waiting for all this time. You certainly deserve the very greatest, celebration throughout the summer well david thank you very much i really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about this uh exciting times that uh, i'm going through right now myself and my family and all and yeah we all are, are excited i uh, can't wait trying to make plans for the uh induction so uh again yes it's it's, it's, it's an exciting uh, time right now and um i thank god for giving me the, the patience that I have to uh, really get through this and uh, getting through the pandemic, well, uh, going through the pandemic right now, you know, and uh, it put a, that put a little damper on it. But you know, it's, it's God's work, so we'll be we'll we'll be fine with it. And uh, when that day comes that I put the jacket on and the baby celebrate with Philadelphia and Philadelphia fans, it's going to be awesome. And that will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm back with you after the draft next week, and we'll wrap it all up and see just what the Eagles have accomplished. Will they have 11 picks, 10 picks, 13 picks? How much wheeling and dealing will Howie Roseman do, and what kind of impact will the Eagles get in this 2021 NFL draft? We shall see. I want to thank Peter Kelly, Trevor Hayes, 
and Ray Doyle for their work here. I want to thank all of you for joining each and every week. And if you have a chance to give us a five-star review, that is greatly appreciated and goes a long way towards securing the very best of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining me, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, and fly, Eagles, fly. Hi, I'm Fran Duffy, host of the Journey to the Draft podcast, where every week we're going through scouting reports, big boards, mock drafts, and figuring out how prospects transition to the NFL. Listen to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found.